Impact of Influence, The Murdoch Family Murders. This is the unfolding story of a powerful South Carolina family, the mysterious deaths they are linked to, and our quest to bring you the truth. Hello, friend, and we're grateful you're joining us again. Matt Harris and Seton Tucker together. Uh, well, not physically, because she's in Baltimore. And we're going to review some of the past few days of the trial with some audio from the trial. And if you want to reach out, Murdoch Podcast on Facebook, MurdochPodcast.com, Matt Harris Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, Seton, let's uh, start with the gentleman who took care of the dog kennels. Yes, let's start with Roger Dell Davis. Uh, he actually Alex met him. He was walking along the side of the road and they just started talking and he asked him if he wanted to help him with taking care of the dogs. And that's how their uh, relationship struck up. He lived a mile and a half uh, down the road from the Moselle property. And let's take a little listen to some of his colorful testimony. Dale, do you see those uh, pools of uh, collected water that you mentioned just on the last e exhibit? Yes. Okay. And also states 506. And again, do you see the same angle just, just pulled a little farther back? Yes. Who's the dog there uh, on the last uh, pen that we can see in the dog shed, in the dog uh, house? Dahlia. All right. Did water ever pool over by the feed room? No, because usually when the Asheri and I would go in the afternoons, the sun would come down and beat. Um, it would dry it up a lot quick. Um, especially in the summertime, it would really dry it real quick. In the wintertime, the sun would actually still hit the concrete around 3 to 4 o'clock. It would be usually around six or so before the, the sun wouldn't be hitting on the concrete. Did water pool in the front of where Bubba would have been located or Grady? No. Showing you State's Exhibit 503. Dale, are you able to see the water located near the feed room and in front of the, the two kennels, one and two? Yes. Is that how water would normally pool when you washed the kennels for four years? Normally, no. Um, there's too much water right there. You can tell when the concrete's already done started drying, but there's too much water right there around the second and third pen. Looking at this picture, what dog do we see in kennel one and what dog do we see there in kennel two? You see Bubba in kennel one and Maggie and Kennel two. And again, Grady is what kind of dog? Grady is a lab. What color is he? Black. Black. <clears throat> is that the? And, and when we say the spots where you would put them or they were located, were were they were there assigned kennels necessarily to the dogs? Not really, but most of the time, Miss Maggie wanted uh, Grady to be in that kennel right next to the feed room. And then we'd usually put Bubba or Maggie in the following. So that was just out of uh, habit, mostly Maggie's habit? Yes, sir. All right. Did anyone else in the family 
put the dogs in a specific location, or did they put it wherever they could find a spot? They would put it wherever they could find a spot. But Maggie was particular about where she put them up? Most of the time, yes. Dale, I'm going to ask you about um, firearms in general. Are you familiar generally with firearms? Yes. Did Paul have any firearms that he favored over more often than others, just in your experience with him? Yes. All right. Are you familiar with a uh, an assault rifle style rifle? Yes. All right. Tell us about the one that that you observed Paul having with him most often. If when he went hog hunting, he would have a AR style 300 blackout. And uh, what color was it? Black. Did it have a scope on it? Yes. All right. Did Paul also favor a, a camo shotgun? Yes. Doing turkey season. The family owned, as far as you knew, the family owned a lot of firearms, is that correct? Yes. Did you, in your experience, and did you spend a lot of time primarily down here at this dog pen area? Yes. Twice a day, every day? Yes. Did you have occasion, did they occasionally leave guns at this area? Yes. All right, where would you have found them? And, and, and when I say occasionally, what does that mean to you? That would be, especially when it was during hunting season. They would uh, leave either on the golf cart or side-by-side. Side. Sometimes they would leave them in the, um, the truck, but most of the time it would be on the golf cart or side-by-side. Side. And how often was that if you're there every day? Uh, sometimes it could be once. Sometimes it could be three or four times. In a, in a, in a month? or In a month. It just all depends on how hurt it got. But that's during hunting season, right? That's during the hunting season. And uh, did Alex carry a firearm? I never seen him carry a firearm, but I know he carried uh, a pistol in his vehicle. Did you have a chance to listen to uh, a kennel video in meeting with law enforcement? I did. And did you identify the voices on that kennel video? I did. Whose voices did you hear? Paul, Maggie's, and Alex. In all the time that you spent out there in the four years, every day, twice a day, did you ever see a gun left in the feed room? No. And you went in the feed room every day, twice a day for four years? Yes. Thank the court's indulgence. And when you refer to Alex carrying a pistol in his car, is that because you, how'd you know that? Uh, one time I had to drive his vehicle over to the law firm, and then uh, every once in a while he would uh, happen to roll up the window or something up, it go to rain or something up, they happen to not be home. You mentioned the vehicles. Were the vehicles unlocked, all the vehicles on the farm? All the vehicles on the farm, keys in them. Keys in them, so... Someone could just open the door and drive them? Oh, yeah. If they weren't in the switch, they would be in the center console. And in this picture here that's still on, uh, do you see the dog beds located in, the, in those pictures? Uh, yes, they're on top of the dog kennel. They haven't been put down? Haven't been put down. No further. Thank you. Good afternoon, Dale. Good afternoon. I'm Jim. Griffin, we've met a few times, haven't we? Yes, sir. 
Um, I want to uh, start by uh, asking you just how long did you work at Moselle with for Alec Murdoch? About four years. And twice a day, every day? No, it started off on just the weekends. And then I went full-time with him right as right before Ronnie quit. Okay. And that's Ronnie Freeman? Uh, whatever his last name is. I know Ronnie. That's all I can tell you. Yes, sir. And uh, a couple things. You, you've said you, you've never seen guns left in the feed room, but you certainly seen guns left down in the work shed and yes and then the uh what you call side by side and that's a off-road vehicle that two people can sit beside each other yes and then i guess they had golf cart yes. down there and you seen left guns there yes and um you have seen guns left in their vehicles and, yes and unlocked right unlocked and and Hog hunting, there's really no season for hog hunting, is there? No. And a couple of those dogs in that kennel were used for hog hunting. Uh, we had got, uh, Paul had got rid of uh, the blue tick, uh, but he kept uh, armadillo. But, but he never really hunted him anymore after um, that last time he got hurt. Right. Now, let's just be when you're hog hunting with dogs, I don't think you can use a gun, can you? Oh, yeah, you can use a gun. Oh, you think? Okay. The uh, Unless you're mad enough to go in there and catch him by the foot and bring him out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so he had a couple of funny lines. You know, I know it's a very serious topic, but he had some funny comments throughout. But the things that they were emphasizing was the, the water near... Paul's body. Do you want to explain more about that, Seton? Well, yeah, that he would go in and he would clean out the pens twice a day. He would put the dog beds for, I think, Bubba and the other family dog up on top of the kennels if he had cleaned them out during the day and then he would put them back in. But also, he was really specific about the way he wrapped the hose. And when you see the pictures, of the crime scene, there was a kink in the hose, and he said he would have never left the hose that way. Right, but on cross, they made it clear that if Paul had used the hose, he was never careful about how he put it back. Well, that's true. And so, I mean, the, the, the state is trying to say that perhaps Alec washed off, which still is kind of weird because he already... They say he wore those clothes. Why wouldn't those clothes be wet unless he had the other clothes? So the state's really confused about, or is making it confusing about what clothes they believe he was wearing. Uh, and the pooling of the water uh, was uh, an important fact as far as the state was concerned because when uh, the kennel taker did it during the daytime, it dried really fast. So the water must have been used after dusk. It was the point yeah. he was trying to make. I think that was the point. And also, though, it was raining off and on that night. So that could have contributed. And I think it's going to come into play. They keep mentioning the vehicles that were there. There, you know, there, there's basically on the Moselle property. Sounds like there was pretty much guns everywhere except for the feed room. And there were trucks and vehicles everywhere that were unlocked. 
That, that's true. And did you also notice that on cross, they really went into what dog went into what kennel? Yes. And I, I think that that is going to be something that we hear more about. Absolutely. Because he said Maggie wanted them in the kennels in a certain way. The implication right. is that we'll find out later that they might not have been in that order, which means somebody else put them back in the kennel. Yes. Okay. Let's move to the testimony of Maggie's sister. The first time, I believe, since the murders, we have heard anything from Maggie's side of the family. And the first time we hear it is on the stand. And it was really actually being in the courtroom. You actually saw members of the Murdoch family go up and speak to her. And she actually hugged Buster on the way out of the courtroom. It was pretty dramatic. And I think that this whole situation has to be really tough for the entire family. And she talks about the way Alec behaved and some other things. We'll get into it. But first, let's hear a clip. A couple of days or in the aftermath, as the shock was wearing off just a little bit, did you have any conversation with Alec about what had happened? Um, I didn't talk to Alec a lot. Alec was just really busy and the whole town was coming to see him and he was very, very, very torn up. Um, I did at one point ask him if Maggie had suffered and he assured me that she did not. Now I don't know that I think that's true. Um, and I asked if Paul had suffered and he said no. And then later I, I asked him, I said, Alec, do you have any idea who's done this? I said, we have got to find out who's done, who, who could do this. And he said that he did not know who it was, but he felt like whoever did it had thought about it for a really long time. Whoever had done it had thought about it for a really long time. Did that strike you as odd? I just didn't know what that meant. Were you ever privy or have any discussion with anything Alex said about whether or not he went to the kennels that night? I personally did not talk to him about that, but he told my mom that he had dinner with Maggie and Paul and then he took a nap, which he did. That was kind of a routine. He would lay down on the sofa at night after work and take a nap. After your conversation with Maggie, your last conversation with her, did it strike you as odd that she didn't go to the kennels or go to Alameda with Alec? Yes. And why is that? Because that's the whole reason she went home that night. Did you think from your conversation with Maggie that she was planning to see Mr. Randolph too? I thought so. I didn't realize that Mr. Randolph wasn't there at the time. In the days and weeks following Maggie and Paul's murder, did Alec ever say anything about the boat case? Uh, we would talk about the boat case. Um, and he was very intent on 
clearing Paul's name. What did he say? He said that um, his number number one goal was clearing Paul's name. And I thought that was so strange because my number one goal was to find out who killed my sister and Paul. But that wasn't Alex's concern, main concern? I know he, I know he, I know he must have wanted that too, but it just, I don't know how he could have thought about anything else. But he talked about the boat case. Did he ever act scared or afraid that the real, the real killers were out there somewhere or anything like that, or was he concerned with the boat case? We were afraid. We didn't know what was going on. Uh, my family was scared. I was scared for Alec and um, Buster. I felt like they needed protection. Um, I think everybody was afraid. Take a little break and uh, get you ready for some traveling you've got coming up, some international trip where you want to be able to at least get around, right? So you want to learn the language of the country that you're going to. You want to experience it with a little bit of knowledge going in, and you can get a lot of bit of knowledge when you use Rosetta Stone. It's the most trusted language learning program. It's available on desktop. It can also be used as an app on your phone or tablet. And Rosetta Stone teaches through immersion. Instead of memorizing and drilling vocabulary words, you learn by matching audio from native speakers to visuals. You read stories, you participate in dialogues, so you are ready to go. It's the most trusted, time-tested app out there. They've been the expert in language learning for 30 years. Buy Rosetta Stone now, and you never have to pay a renewal fee. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Impact of Influence listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 40% off. That's 40% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 40% off at rosettastone.com backslash today. I think Marianne Proctor was a very effective and impactful witness for the prosecution. First yes. to start but how guilty she felt for telling her sister that she thought she should go to Moselle and be with Ellick because of his father's situation. That very night, last time she spoke to him, was uh, spoke to her sister. She said, you've got to go to Moselle because uh, Randolph is sick. She seems to have a lot of guilt about that. She got teary on the stand about that. That was has to be really tough because she encouraged her sister to go. Exactly. Now, it is interesting that she didn't know that Buster, uh, Buster Randolph had been sent to the hospital because he got more sick. So it is possible that Maggie would decide not to go to Alex's mom's house because Randolph wasn't there. However, in an interview we later see with Alex, he says sometimes they drove separately, but this is odd to me because you have two ways to go out of Moselle's we've talked about before. And this particular night, the night of the murders, he doesn't go by the kennels. He drives out the other way. But if Maggie is there to go with you and the lights are on in the kennel, even though she's not answering the text, you would just buzz by 
and say, hey, uh, want to jump in? I'm going to mom's house. So it's weird to me that he would go out the other way instead of if the lights are on the kennel, somebody's there, buzz by and say, hey, Paul, tell uh, tell your mom that I went over to mom's or just by and say, hey, Maggie, do you want to jump in the truck? Well, absolutely. And it was Marianne's understanding that the whole reason that Maggie was going back to Moselle that evening was to go visit the parents at Almeida. Although you could, the, the defense would say, though, but the dad wasn't there. And they made a point of saying Maggie was not, not, you know, was trying to be sensitive, but uh, she wasn't, it was hard for her to go and see the mom in her state of dementia. So she could have said, I'm, I'm not going since Randolph's not there, but still it doesn't make sense. In his later interview with the police, he says that, oh, we were just going to be, we might've been trying to drive separate. Why would you drive separate? 15 minutes away and also go by the kennels and see if she's there. Uh, But she made a good point about him not being afraid. And we said at the very beginning, remember we saw pictures of Buster and Alec, not that they shouldn't go on with their lives, but they were at the Hilton head uh, attorney convention or what it was and, you know, walking around and it struck us odd at the time. And another thing that sticks out to me with this is that she found it odd that Ellick's primary focus seemed to be clearing Paul's name about the boating in regards to the boating accident and not finding their killers. Now let's move to senior special agent David Owen. And on August 11th of 2021, August 11th, that is just two months after the murders, there's an interrogation. And this is the third interview of Alec Murdoch. This is the first in the police station. And Special Agent Owen talks about all the inconsistencies throughout Alec's conversations. Like, for instance, saying he was at the at his mom's house 45 minutes to an hour where the caretaker said it was like 15 to 20 minutes uh the the nap incident when one of uh, paul's friends said he heard alec on the phone in the background on the phone so then they moved to the snapchat video which was about an hour before the murders we've seen it a bunch of times throughout the trial where alec and paul are together you don't see paul in the video but alec is playing with a, a tree that's kind of fallen down let's hear uh, a clip of the interview with Special Agent Owen and Alec Murdoch. And after dinner, Maggie and Paul went to the kennels, or you know, I don't know exactly how that went. Um, I stayed on the couch and I dozed off. And then I got up. Did you watch TV that night? I know the TV was, I believe the TV was on. But I mean, I wasn't watching it. You know, I mean. Stop right there, please. And I'm not going to ask you to repeat that. But this next question. Um, Regarding a tree video, had you confronted him with that before? No, sir, I had not. Okay, please go ahead. 
there is a video on Paul's phone of um, you and him on the farm that night. And you were in khaki pants and a dress shirt. You were playing with a tree. I don't remember playing with a tree. Yeah. I guess there was a tree sapling or something that was had fallen over or bending over and you were trying to get it to stand back, stand up. Uh, but I mean, the, the question in that is, when I met you that night, you were in shorts and a t-shirt. At what point in that evening did you change clothes? I'm not sure. I, you know, it would have been... Before dinner or after dinner? No, it would have been... What time of day was that? I would have thought I had already changed. Uh, there's not a time. Is he asking you now what time that picture was? Yes, sir. Okay. Go ahead. I'm staff on it because there's so many posts, um, but I want to say it's, it looks to be about dusk. So that would have been 7, 30, 8 o'clock. I guess I changed when I got back to the house. Earlier when, earlier when we spoke, <clears throat> and you talked about waking up from your nap and then going to check on your mother, and you tried to call Maggie, and you tried to call Paul, and then you sent, or sent Maggie a text that you were going to check on your mother. You also told me that Maggie didn't normally go with you to check on your mother, but that she might, might, might ride that night. Did you go by and check on her? Go by and check on my mom? Maggie, before you left to go? No, I didn't. You didn't. With her not responding to you, um, and thinking that she might ride with you, why didn't you? I, I don't... I don't uh, remember having plans that Maggie was going to ride with me. Um, but maybe she had told me that she was that night. I, I don't... I don't recall that. I don't remember that specifically, but um, I mean, it wasn't. She didn't normally go with me. I mean, it's not like we had plans that she was going to ride with me, or that she was going. Um, These are just maps on a pull off of Google. What route did you take from? Moselle to your mom's. I would have gone to the right on Moselle Road, 63, into Barnville, turn left on the road um, right before 6278, 601, and then. Uh, Seaton. Yeah, I have some I have some takeaways. The first is he does seem to be trying to find out what law enforcement has. Did you did you think that? Oh yeah, they they he's by the way, he's there with Corey Fleming, who's in trouble too with some of the financial situations where he was working with Alec. Uh yes, because he, he they go in and Corey Fleming is saying, or is he here because he's a suspect or is he here because you have updates on what you have about who committed the crimes. Yeah, they thought they were there for an update. That's yes. that's why they thought that they were there, but I guess that 
wasn't really the idea that law enforcement had. And the assistant AG Meadows uh, had special agent Owen say that as of August 2021, Alec Murdoch was the one and only suspect. Now, he wanted to see where they turned out the road, I think, to see if he went by where the phone is to make sure that they where Maggie's phone was found. So that that was the importance of the agent getting him to say that he went right. Uh, the, 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 the prosecution's take on the, and the testimony of David Owen was, was, was good. There was a lot of inconsistencies in there, uh, very weird reactions to some things. And we'll get to cross where I think it kind of fell apart a little bit. Oh, but first I want to talk about the, uh, I almost forgot the altercations, Seton. Yeah, it was really hard to hear in the courtroom. You could not hear the video very well. But what I took away was there was some sort of physical altercation between Alec and Paul and Maggie when Paul had had too much to drink. Yes. And this is the first time we have heard about something getting physical. So I, I, right. I, that seemed important to me. Maybe, although in the autopsy, we know there's no alcohol or drugs in Maggie or Paul. No, uh, that was it. He said, and then and Alex said it was one time a long time ago. So I don't know. I mean, they're trying to get something to it, but the fact that they were all sober and there's a video at 844 where they're not physical, I don't know, maybe. Let's talk about the 911 call that comes up during uh, Agent Owen's interview with Alec in August of 2021, Seton. Yeah, he asked, Agent Owen asked Alec about saying here on the 911 call as if it may be possibly he's calling a dog and Alex says you know denies that a dog was out and he doesn't really remember but since we've just talked about the testimony from Roger Dale Davis and where the dogs were in the kennel I think that this may come into play and this is something that we're going to hear again especially with uh Bubba who keeps coming up about how rambunctious and Bubba would get out a lot so that that could have something to do there. Yeah, we are hearing a lot about Bubba, and we have to remember that Blanca now is taking care of Bubba. Another thing that was brought up in this 911 call, he quite Officer Owens questions Alex saying something about Paul not being there, and he doesn't really remember that. That was another thing that Officer Owens questioned Alec about. Um, I have another clip from the interview, and this is where uh, Agent Owen. Point blank ask Alec if he murdered Maggie and Paul. A few more questions. Okay. Did you kill Maggie? No. Did I kill my wife? Yes, sir. No, David. Do you know who did? No, I do not know who did. Did you kill Paul? No, I did not kill Paul. Do you know who did? No, sir, I do not know who did. Do you think I killed Maggie? Where the evidence and the facts take me. I have to go where the evidence and the facts take me, and I don't have anything that points to anybody else at this time. So does that mean that I am a suspect? You were still in, like I told Corey earlier, you were still in this. It's still crazy to me that Corey Fleming, and granted, he's not, I don't think he's a criminal attorney but at some point you're saying Alec 
don't talk, quit talking. Uh, well, Jim Griffin sat in the car with him while he gave interviews yeah. as well. So right. that was actually shocking to me as, as well. Yes. Uh, do you want to move to Cross? Yes, let's move to Cross, which I thought, regardless of whether you are, you know, what you think about guilt or innocence, it was a strong cross, in my opinion. I mean, he just went down the line, basically. You know, why were no guns found? Why did he not search the mom's house till months later or on the way to the mom's house? Why was there no significant blood found in Alex's vehicle? And also, why was the blue raincoat just presented to Shelly Smith last month? Right. And, and they've shown it to a lot of family members, he said. And no one could identify that jacket. There was no, you know... DNA or, or, or GSR in the back of the Suburban either, Alex Carr, which if what Cross said, if you believe that he had taken this raincoat or tarp or whatever and wrapped up the guns and taken it to the mom's house, then there would be DNA, GSR at the back of the uh, Suburban. He also asked, if you believe that Alex changed his clothes, why did you never ask for those clothes in that video? You never asked yeah. for the clothes. You never asked for the shoes. And even after the, the Snapchat video, they never asked for this blue shirt. Oh, two things I need to correct while we're at the top. I said Tahoe instead of Suburban, and I think two episodes ago. And I also mixed up. They were Alec was wearing in the Snapchat video a blue or seafoam Columbia-like shirt, and I said Vineyard Vines. I mix it up too, so please don't yeah. send me an email. Because well, Alec was trying to convince um, Blanca that he was wearing a Vineyard Vines shirt. That's what Blanca said. Um, yeah. Also, on the cross, they said, um, "Why did you never test for fingerprints in the feed room?" It, so that was the basis of the cross over and over again. Why didn't you do these things? What? And there was the blood stain on Paul's shorts. And, you know, they say that Alec maybe removed Paul's cell phone and there was a blood stain, but they didn't test Paul's pocket for any sort of DNA. It uh, really did not look good. And the jurors were hanging on every word. And then the other big one was that in Cross, Agent Owens said that when he presented the shirt to the Collinson County Grand Jury, he said there was back spatter and blood on there, which we know from the sled scientist that there was zero out of 70 score spots she tested on the shirt that had blood. Yeah, he presented that information to the grand jury and they, on cross, they asked if he was untruthful, implying that he was lying to the grand jury. And he says he did not have the information about no blood spatter being on that white shirt until November. And Griffin just said, well, you're the lead investigator. So that seemed a little shocking that the lead investigator didn't know until November of 2022 that the shirt was negative for blood spatter. And yet still presented it Jesus said he basically got lost in the emails or something. But the question would be then, would he have even been indicted if that if they didn't have that shirt evidence? We'll never know. Yeah, we won't know. Anything else you'd like to add? Uh, oh, I, I guess we should add before we leave that uh, 
the Labor Day weekend suicide for hire plot with cousin Eddie Smith was out and now it's in. Explain. Yeah. Yeah. So in the morning, Judge Newman went over motions filed by both sides and said that the Labor Day shooting stuff was a bridge too far. And then actually he describes after the cross because Griffin kind of crossed and they bring up some of these drug connections. There was the Sand Hill gang, which I think is affiliated with the cowboy gang. And Ellick was spending $50,000 a month on drugs. And Eddie was his drug dealer. And Judge Newman is now allowing it in because he originally said no, because it was a bridge too far. And then Newman said that Cross built a road over the bridge. So hmm. it's now allowed in. And I, I think that uh, the defense the defense knew what they were doing. I don't think it was a mistake. I think they're baiting the prosecution into bringing Eddie Smith in because I feel they can add doubt by bringing Eddie Smith in and they can crush him on Cross. Yeah, lots of speculation about that. Again, I'm no expert, but I'm seeing a lot of Twitter people saying that they think that was a strategic move by the defense. Well, we're always grateful that you're uh, hanging with us. Do appreciate that. Uh, Murdoch podcast, Facebook, MurdochPodcast.com, Matt Harris podcast at gmail.com. If you have a question and once again, always grateful that you spend time with us. We'll talk soon, friend. The more my company grows, the harder it is to stay focused on our core product. I need to master DE&I, ESG, M&A, even how to adapt to hybrid working. The more hats I wear, the more I need Aon. They bring their whole team to the table and give me access to great minds in each discipline. So as my business grows, my knowledge expands and I see things more clearly. Better decisions. Aon. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. I'm an American vigilante. I have a question for you. What would you do if someone you cared about was abducted, taken from you? Would you call me? Would you care about how I got them back? Download. American Vigilante, now.